Howdy, online family. Thanks for tuning into the Grace Church of Ocala podcast. We are equipping disciples who make disciples in Ocala, Florida. I'm Pastor Ryan Gagnon. We're going to be hearing today from Pastor Todd McQueen as he continues our series, Anchored on the Unseen. We've prayed about how best to meet our community with the gospel message of Jesus. We believe this digital component is a way of meeting our community here on the web. We hope God uses it to encourage and challenge you. We also encourage you to serve a local church body. Remember, you can't be the church by yourself. When you go into a store, generally an employee will ask, how can I help you? How do we respond? It's almost universal. We all say the same thing. Well, I'm just looking. Rarely, if ever, do we go into a store just to look. We have something in mind when we go in, but we all respond the same way. Why is that? For most, it's because we don't want to be sold anything. We think we know everything we need to know, and quite frankly, we've got it all figured out. Interestingly, most have a similar thought process for their lives. We as followers of Jesus are told to have a persuasive message of reconciliation that we offer the world. The first thing any good salesperson does is establish value. They position the product based on the value to the customer. Why don't people respond to the value statement that they need Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins? Perhaps it's because we have not established the proper need first. They're still stuck in the, I got it all figured out stage. Pastor Todd guides us in this episode how we can best meet our communities with the gospel, not by some clever sales tactic, but through God's word in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11 through chapter 6, verse 13, to proclaim God's offer of reconciliation. Look for how Paul guided them to connect with their community and how that manifests itself for us today. Let's listen in together. So as we continue our series this morning, I want you to think about how many of you have all been shopping recently? I know Harold and I have, and Deb and Sandy have. Carolyn, you went shopping. You've been shopping. What did you go shopping for? Food, okay? Good start. So what is it about food that you needed? Right, so you got to have food. So Carolyn, what did you go shopping for? Food, okay. And obviously you kind of need that. Did you buy, what did you buy? What kind of food? Okay, so you got some Snickers or whatever. You got some junk food. Fat boy ice cream bars. Boy ice cream bars. There you go. I love them things. Now, Harold, when you go shopping, I'm going to let the cat out of the bag. If Harold ever cooks for y'all, Cancel your own funeral and go. The guy is an amazing chef. Amen, Sandy? Yes. Harold, when you're shopping for the quality of a food item, what are you looking for? Natural or not? Okay. What's that? Lack of additives. How many of you have been shopping for something other than food recently? What did you go shopping for? Diapers. And what's the need for diapers? These are all like slow balls down to Moodles. I thought I was going to have to work hard for this. You, he kind of needs them. Robbie, what did you go shopping for? Parts for the bike. Okay, right. Because Sandy and Deb and I are like, yeah, we got bikes to buy. Now, did you need the parts? 
Yes, yes, you tell your wife when you get home. Now, when the salesperson, did you interact with the salesperson when you went in? Kind of. How many have interacted with a salesperson recently when they went to go buy stuff? Sandy, that what you, I, I felt that glare. Because Harold and I have been looking at boats. <laughs> right. Okay, so you, have you dealt with a salesman recently? Two salespeople come. This is even better. What did the salesman try to sell you at the house? Well, the first one uh, came, and it was an appointment that I made because I'm looking to replace some doors and windows. Window salesman. Anybody dealt with window salesman? Okay, so, yeah, we have. The other one was a mail a thing uh, through the mail that I got that said we're going to Southwest Water Management or something's going to be in the area testing wells, and that's, that's what I thought it was. So I did the card and sent it in, and the next thing you know, the girl called, and Okay, so this, I am so glad you came this morning. You are my sermon illustration. We can all go home. There was a classic, what do we call that? Bait and switch. So in sales, if have anybody here ever been the salesperson? I have. Okay, what do you have to establish as the salesperson? If I'm selling water filters to her, to Miss Grace, what do I need to establish? Trust, or what's the biggest thing I have to communicate to Harold and I when we walk into a boat store? No, what's the first thing? Ryan's not here. Pastor Ryan is a professional salesperson at Verizon. You've got to establish need. Need. You need this. You need this. They've got to somehow bridge a switch and bait to immediate need. Probably when my car breaks down, do I need a new starter? Do I need a new battery? What do I need? And the sales rider upper dude, what do you call that guy? Service rider. I'm going to not add any editorial comments. They have to, when I come in to get my car fixed, a sales writer is doing what? Here's what you need to fix your car. And by the way, here's 15 other things that are immediately need fixed. In sales, we establish the need. When we go to this Walmart and we're looking at food, they, okay. Walmart's got that whole section where it's completely not designed for guys that don't like shopping, which is me. I only go in there when Miss Deb's gone for a long time. And you have to go clear to the back to get milk. Why is that? Why don't they put a man aisle for like me or like a don't want to shop aisle? Why don't they do that? Yeah, microwave stuff right there in the front. Yes, you got to pass the other stuff. So even when we go shopping for food... They are going to try to establish a need. Those end plates, what they call them, or in the checkout line, what is there? Is anything healthy and good for you? Yes! I don't know how many, oh, I'm going to, Michael might have to edit this. I don't know how many whoopings I got at, I, at the supermarket 
because I would get stuff and mom would have to pay for it. My sister hid it in her clothes. I hope my mom and dad aren't listening. So, <laughs> all that to say, as we go into our life as Christians, as followers of Jesus, do we have a persuasive message to give to people? Do we have to, what do we have to establish first? The need. Now, with the kids, it was pretty cool that they attacked Ryan wanting water. They knew the need. They met the need. When you're hot, and it's Florida, and it's August, and there's no, no breeze, it is not a hard sell. You better drink some water. You work outside all the time. You know that. So let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and pick up where we picked up last week in verse 11. Page 800 in your story Bible. Does anybody need a story Bible this morning? Page 800. What's it mean to be a persuasive representative of Jesus? 2 Corinthians 5, starting in verse 11 through 15. Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God, and I hope it is also known to your conscience. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us, so that you may be able to answer those who boast about the outward appearance and not about what's in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our right minds, it is for you. For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live may no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. A persuasive representative, a persuasive ambassador for Jesus. Therefore, why is the therefore, therefore? We've done this pretty near every Sunday. When you're studying your Bible and you're reading through and it says, therefore, what is the question? What is the therefore, therefore? So why is it here? Move your finger back up to verse 10. Therefore, and it, Paul makes it actually kind of easy here. The answer is also in verse 10 and is in verse 11. What, why is the therefore to be a persuasive salesperson, communicator, ab, uh, ambassador for Jesus? Why is the therefore, therefore? For the fear of the Lord. What does it mean to fear the Lord? Where did Paul get that idea? Because in verse 10, what is the fear from? The proper respect for God and his authority in your life. Robbie, when you were late getting home from school, what was your fear of? Yeah. Tyler, I know you're, you were innocent of all things in teenage, and this is being recorded. We'll edit it for the boys because none of them are here. Two o'clock in the morning, you're a junior in high school. What is the fear in your life? The belt. Do we fear God is the same way as a belt? The book of Lamentations, the book of Jeremiah, 
Where does God first judge the quality of us tents and jars? We told you last week that we're temporary representatives, we're either tents or jars. And how did we end that, that, that sermon? Look at verse 10. For we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Who says whether or not you're doing a good job as an ambassador? Your pastor, the elders, your neighbor? Who says? God does. Therefore, the fear of the Lord, go and be persuasive with this message because you will be judged how good of ambassador representative you are by God, by Jesus. You're going to stand before him. So therefore, with the fear of the Lord, be a persuasive representative. Representatives, jars, tents, persuade others. Life is temporary but we hold the treasure. As we, we studied that we are jars and tents, but what do we hold inside? What makes us special? The treasure. And what is the treasure? The presence and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in a relationship with Jesus that's transforming us step by step, bit by bit over time. And we are maybe just jars of clay. We might just be like Tupperware because we're not a treasure box but we are special because God says, I want to dwell in there with you. So when was the last time you had a persuasive conversation about Jesus? If this, therefore, since you're, you're a clay pot, temporary residence, given a job to represent Jesus to your community, when was the last time you had that persuasive conversation? When was the last time you had a persuasive interaction with somebody who said, hey, I know what Jesus did. I know what Jesus is doing, and I know what he, Jesus has promised to return. Have you had that? I'm just, I could stop the sermon right here. We have a little bit more text to go through. But ask yourself at this point, when was the last time you were, had a persuasive interaction? And if it's never, are you in the fear of the Lord? Because I do not, I am the worst person in the world to motivate by guilt. If you try to motivate me by guilt, what, Deb, what's the first thing I do? I fight it. I'll dig my heels, even if she's right. And if she tries to guilt me into it, I'm like, no. I'm not trying to guilt you into this. But we are to reach our communities, and we're going to say Matthew 28, 18 through 20 again. And what is the command in that scripture? Go and... I can't hear you. Make disciples. You need to have a persuasive interaction with somebody this week in your life that you're praying for, for that to happen. Look at verse 12. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us. What in the world? What, what is he saying? A persuasive, motivational, trying to interact with their neighbor and their friend. And he's talking about boasting here. At what point are we allowed to say, you think this, you're taught in your life, don't boast, don't be prideful about anything. But Paul here says, I boast about this. What is he boasting about? Huh? Because he's a persuasive representative for Jesus. 
Live in such a way, fellow jars and fellow tents, that your friends in the local body have a reason to boast. Tyler, I want to applaud you. I want to be a cheerleader for you and how you go and reach your community. Now say that to one another. Can you be each other's cheerleaders? When we celebrate, hey, Ms. Joan, I'm, you, you turn in a connection card. Ms. Jesse, your connection card for this neighbor, for this person that you want to pray for to come to know Jesus, we pray for that. Then you have that persuasive conversation. We want to be there to go, go rescue! Because sometimes they're tough. Sometimes they're rejected. Sometimes you get looked at and you're like, that's a German blood or an idiot. I don't need no God. But what is the motivation? It's the love of Christ to do this in verse 13. So we boast. It's okay to boast, to cheerlead. And Paul says, boast in what I'm doing because I'm reaching other people for God by having these persuasive interactions. Because that's what we need to celebrate. Because Paul says, don't celebrate what's on the outside, but celebrate what you're doing with other people on the inside. And look at verse 13. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we're in our right minds, it's for you. For the love of Christ controls us. How do people view you? What's on your mind? Somebody spends 20 hours a week just hanging out, following you through life. What's the, big, what's the biggest thing that's on your mind? What are you talking about? Now, I, you know, some of my friends, Harold and Sandy are here. They know what I talk about. I talk about mountain biking and fishing. Why? Why do I want to meet people when I go mountain biking? Now, granted, I need to lose weight, need to get in shape. I get that. But the point is, the love of Christ. What is the love of Christ? What does that mean? Because Christ loved you enough to what? To die for you, to come back, and he's promised to come back again. The love of Christ controls us. It says, I see the need in that person as Jesus does. To see the need. You don't know him, or you don't have a good relationship with him, or you need cheerleaded in your relationship with him. So I'm motivated to go to people outside of my little safe zone, whether it's a neighbor across the yard, or it's somebody at the shop, it's somebody where you're hanging out, or somewhere where you're going grocery shopping. The motivation of having these persuasive interactions is the love of Christ. And we, can we take a second and ask, God, how do, how do you view me? Am I doing it okay? Or is it all about me? Because Jesus died for all of those Jesus died and rose again and is now alive. What does love as Jesus defined it? How did he love his people? How does he love this local body? What did he do to show it? You send a Hallmark card and say, get better soon? You have a spiritual condition? 
needs fixed. What did he do? The love. God defines love. Gave his life. The love of Christ controls us. That means, whoa, you're being controlled to the point of you laying down your life for somebody else. That's cool when you like the person. But what is about that person at work? Or the neighbor that does nothing but aggravate the snot out of you. That makes it their sole purpose in life to make life tough. Can you love them as Christ loved you? That is way beyond, hey, a pep talk, a motivational speak. Where does that motivation for reaching those kind of people come from? It's not self-will. We'll run out of that in about five seconds. Because stupid people drive me nuts. How do you interact with stupid people all the time then? Because the love of Christ motivates you. Jesus died for them. Therefore, I'm going to be motivated to interact with them as God loves them. So let's move to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16. Talking about reconciliation now. Well, wait a From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on the behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Reconciliation. This is a big, like, billion-dollar word. This is more than just forgiveness. What's the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation? You can forgive somebody who's dead. Can you reconcile with somebody who's dead? Hmm. Reconciliation is a reunited relationship. Husband and wife. It's one thing to forgive each other. It's another thing to reconcile. You have the argument at 2 in the afternoon, 9 o'clock at night comes around, how's the reconciliation going? God was the proactive agent in not only seeking for establishing the means for forgiveness, but to reconcile, to right the relationship. There is a therefore there again. Therefore, is there because the therefore is there because Jesus, as our center, we become persuasive representatives for him. As Jesus, as the center, is what our mind is set on, his love controlling us, we view our regard or see other followers of Jesus as new creations. Since they have been reconciled with God, how should we then view one another? 
Therefore, since they are reconciled with God, how should we view each other? As new creations. I like this picture. It's apropos for this morning. Because we got a little Samuel or a little Edmund hand. And then we got the Jesse or the Heather hand. And we got Michael or the Tyler hand. What's the new creating going on there? It's kind of obvious. We call that pro procreation. So God has made people as new creatures who come to know him. He is the active agent because Edmund and Samuel really didn't have too much choice in the matter. God is the one who says, I'm the active agent in reconciling the world to me. I sent Jesus on a mission to glorify me, God the Father says, and the byproduct of that is your salvation. And God says, since you are a new creation in Jesus Christ, what does new creation speak of in your mind? New beginning. When God created in the beginning, how unique was it? Like you can't even come up with words for how unique it is. Right, because if your hammer breaks and you go get a new one, it kind of looks like the old one. Even though if it's, you've gone from east wing to rigid. Mm-hmm. Great. Because when God comes to know you after 20 years and you reconcile to him, what are you then? You're not the 20-year-old hammer. You're a brand spanking new one. Now, some of us who came to know Jesus later in life can appreciate this in ways that are unique. And I'm not disparaging anybody else who came to know Jesus really early. But how many of us battle with what we were like before we came to know Jesus? I don't put that on my resume for you. Because I'm a new creation then. And get this. What is the process of the transforming of this new creation? We've covered this with the work of the Holy Spirit. It's going to the beat of his drum, being transformed bit by bit. So literally, in some ways, you are a new creation in the process of being created into a new creature and a new identity that's based in Jesus. And if we're supposed to view one another as new creations, that means if you sinned like crazy last week, I sinned like crazy last week, I reconcile with God, how should you view me? Because Jesus says, God says, hey, not counting their trespasses against them. If it's one thing that we love to do is, I'll forgive you, but I'm going to count that. What does it mean to count something against somebody? You're going to be counting money today, Ms. Joan. You do that every Sunday. You do a fabulous job, and thank you very, very much. Huh? Well, it's not, she's not necessarily judging. She's just counting. She just writes down, blah, 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 however much. And I have nothing to know. I have no idea what the blah, blah is. You should do that on purpose. But she counts it. 
What does it mean to count? Who's there's ever been a CPA? You're an engineer. My goodness, numbers. Huh? Keep track. Now, when you sin against husbands and wives, relatives, friends, if you are one who sins against somebody and then you seek forgiveness through working the process of reconciliation, how hard is it when the other person stop, keep, continues to count it, to keep track of it, to keep a ledger of it? Since you're a new creation, God views you as new. Brothers and sisters, fellow team, fellow jars and tents, how should we view each other? Should we keep count? It's hard to do. So our reconciliation is so much another continuing part of forgiveness. And God is always the active agent. God is the one who does the new creating. We know that in and of ourselves, we are blinded to the idea that we need spiritual water. Who is the one who takes the initiative to seek reconciliation? It is God the Father through Jesus Christ. God is always the one that's taken the initiative to make reconciliation with people. From the garden, cleared through Jesus, it does not change. But that idea of reconciliation, that idea that God has made us new creatures, that then what does he call us? What is the word in the text? In verse 20. Therefore, another therefore, we are what? Ambassadors or representatives for Jesus Christ. God is the proactive agent, but he wants to use what? Yes, he wants to use you to do what? Yeah, to, to go and say, be reconciled with God. The creator of the world, the creator who gives you new life in Jesus Christ has called you as an ambassador to go with the message of reconciliation. That blows my mind. If I was the best person, um, Sandy, you created some incredible stuff engineering. Okay? Let's assume that, yeah. And you assigned me to go build it? That would have been like not a wise move. Now, you assigned Harold or well, you, uh, mechanically inclined people to do this? Uh, yeah, that'll work. But God has assigned us as his ambassadors. Ambassadorship means, hey, I'm going to give you and trust you with the treasure to hold inside you to be able to go and share. It's the big sale. Makes us feel a little bit uncomfortable to think that we're God's salespeople. But how will people know if they do not hear? And who are the ones doing the talking? You and I. And the message is be reconciled with God. We're special agents charged with declaring God's appeal for reconciliation to our lost neighbors, friends, and family members. It's your duty. It's your message. It is my message. God defines our job as representatives. And what is the message? 
be reconciled with God. Now, when we go about doing this reconciliation, look at verse 1 in chapter 6. There's going to be cycles in this time of reconciliation. Is it all going to work out well? Is life going to be all perfect as reconciliation ambassadors? I love the Bible. It's so honest. Let's read it. Verses 1 through 10. Working together with him then, we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says from Isaiah, in a favorable time I have listened to you. In a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We put no obstacle in anyone's way, so that no fault may be found in our ministry. But as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way by great endurance, in afflictions, hardships, and calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labors, sleepless nights, and hunger, by purity, knowledge, patience, kindness, the Holy Spirit, genuine love, by truthful speech and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, through honor and dishonor, through slander and praise. We are treated as impostors, yet are true, as unknown, yet well-known, as dying, and behold, we live, as punished, and yet not killed, as sorrowful, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet making many rich, as having nothing, yet possessing everything. Today is the day. Today is the day to go and offer the news of reconciliation. As representatives, we work together with God to make a, a persuasive appeals for reconciliation. The ultimate message is only available for a limited time. It's like the salesperson says, today and today only. Does God work that way? He absolutely does. He does. I challenge you, look at the book of Jeremiah and Lamentations. What is so horrific about the punishment that the people of Israel go through is the lives of Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, that go to him and say, repent, repent, repent. And then what do they say? No, 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 got this. I got this figured out. And then what does God do? Bam! How devastating is it, Miss Jesse, we studied in Jeremiah? It doesn't get any worse. We studied this. I mean, literally, it's, it can't get any worse. Y'all going to die. You mean the God who loved me enough to send Jesus is the same God, Jeremiah? Yes. He says, I, here's the definition of grace. Judgment is coming on this date. I'm telling you it's coming. And when it arrives... The time in between there is grace. How many of you got a paddle in as a kid? Oh, yeah, you did, Ross. How many times did your parents say, knock it off or I'm going to paddle you? Yes. So you had the time between knock it off or you get into paddling and the paddling. Now, some parents are a little longer than other ones. Some will talk their ears off and you're like, go ahead and paddle the kid or shut up. But God is the parent, says, repent or I'm going to paddle you. Hebrews talks about God doing this to us as fellow brothers and sisters because he's a good parent. Today is the day of the message of reconciliation because God at some point will not afford you the opportunity to reconcile. 
today and today only. It could be this afternoon. It could be another thousand years. I don't know. It's a favorable time because there will be a time when God won't listen. It's a favorable time because today is the day of salvation. It's when it's offered. The opposite is true. The window of grace will close. Representatives, the necessity of persuasive communication by word and deed is needed today. Do your job, fellow ambassador, because the time will come when judgment will occur. Who's the judgment for? Who's exempt from God's judgment on how this goes? Not a single person. Nobody. Now there's judgment for those who do not receive the offer of reconciliation and the news is really, really bad. What's the judgment for the representative who refused to represent? That's up to Jesus. Their judgment is just reward. It's fair. It's not for punishment, but fair reward. Clear the path. Remove the barriers, Paul says. As you serve Jesus and you go and make persuasive interactions with people, make sure you clear the paths. I mean, my goodness, how many of you have seen a road close sign lately or barrels or, you know, around where you guys live in Ocala? I mean, my goodness, you guys, they call them Snyder eggs where I come from in Ohio. You know, those trucks would have those eggs. There's always construction. There's always roadblock, but remove the barriers. I thought of this as you're going down the trails, if you're going for a walk and there's trees over everything, what hard work do you have to do to clear the path? Get a brush saw. In our lives, clear the paths for communication. What does that mean? Don't let anything get tangled up. If you're a moron, it runs your mouth. Get that under control before you represent Jesus by word. If you say you love people and you can't love inside your house, clear that path. If you're going to share the love of Jesus with somebody and you're having a hard time getting it done one another inside the family, how are they going to believe you? What attracts people to Jesus Christ? How we love one another. Who said that? Jesus. Remove the barriers. Clear the paths for good avenues for representing the king, for his message of reconciliation. If you have a hard time reconciling with people, or do you have a good sales pitch for reconciling with God? It's kind of hard to sell, isn't it? Is it easy to reconcile with people? No. But God reconciled with you, and he's asking you to reconcile with other people. If you're going to have the message of reconciliation, you have to work through these ideas of what does it mean to reconcile, to love as Jesus loved, to forgive as Jesus forgave. So our paths of representatives as these ambassadors who go out into our communities with a persuasive speech has ups and downs. Paul first talks about endurance. Just take a quick look at those words on the screen. God, I thought this coming to know you was going to be easy business. This is what blows my mind when people say, come to know Jesus and you'll get all kinds of money, everything will be better, and you won't have any more problems in your life. I'm like, the Bible doesn't talk like that at all. 
If it was true, all the apostles should have been like United Arab Emirates. They should have owned their own countries. But look at these words. As a representative, when we cheerlead each other, what is going through somebody's life that's being an active, persuasive agent for Jesus on the streets? Now, I don't know anybody that's gone to jail. But I know people have had a lot of sleepless nights. And is it hard work, the people business? So it's going to take endurance and perseverance. Now, look at the word, then he goes with this next list, and it's, I'm standing right in your way, aren't I, Miss Joan? I'll stand. Can you see? No. no. What's the kind of character does it take to be a representative for Jesus? Just take a look at those words. And I like what Paul adds is genuine love. What is the definition of love? As you define it, as Hallmark defined it, as Jesus did on the cross in giving, and seeing a need and meeting the need. So we have endurance. There's going to be character. You to, it develop as you go as being a representative for Jesus. Prepare for that road that's ahead. And look, he says, the Holy Spirit. The role of the Holy Spirit is to transform you bit by bit, time over time, as you walk in the beat of his drum. He's also the transformer and the one that does the hard work. So while you have the endurance and you have the character, who's in there with you working through this? With you, alongside you? The Holy Spirit. And he's the one that does the hard work of actually changing somebody's heart. Now the weapons. Weapons of righteousness in the right and the left hand. What is righteousness? It's the pursuit of God. The pursuit of being like Jesus. I see it that way because righteousness is not stopping sin and don't sinning anymore. Righteousness, the pursuit of righteousness is chasing after Jesus. As you have this endurance and this character and the Holy Spirit working in your life, what is in your right and left hand as you go into your streets? I'm chasing after Jesus. Prepare for the ups and downs. As a representative on your street, at work, in your family, there's going to be moments, there's going to be days of honor and days of dishonor. There's going to be days of praise and days of slander. There's going to be days of rejoicing and days of sorrow. Fellow tents, fellow clay jars, we're going to be knocked down, but not knocked out. But we know this is coming ahead as we live for Jesus with his purpose of making disciples. In verse 11 and 12, we have spoken freely to you in 2 Corinthians verse six, or chapter 6, verse 11. We have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. In return, I speak to you as children. Widen your hearts also. So as you go and you represent Jesus, he finishes out this chapter by go and say. Go and speak it. With your mouth wide open and with your heart wide open. 
Speak with your mouth wide open the message of reconciliation with full disclosure. Sometimes some of this, that's easy part. The hard part is living with your heart wide open. Why would Paul add both the heart and the mouth together here as you go and represent Jesus in your community at work? Yes. You ever heard of the parents who said, we give, spank we give spankings for attitude around here? You can say the right things, but match it with your heart, having both of them wide open. Some of us big mouth people have no problem running our mouth in public. Some of us have a really hard time then opening up with the same full disclosure in our heart. Because that's where people need to meet us. You're selling, you're representing Jesus to them with a persuasive argument, with a message of reconciliation. Are they going to hear you with a closed heart? No. Open up your heart to your neighborhood. And that is hard. Open for your friends, your family. And he says there, look, you are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your affections. Restrictors. Who do you fear? Fear is, we've talked about fear from right from the beginning. If you fear the Lord, therefore you are a representative with a persuasive message. But if you fear man, which is, I get this. You're in a group of 20 people at work, and they're all around the clock running, telling jokes or whatnot. That's hard. You're going to stand out. Sometimes standing up here preaching through this, and I'm wondering who's going to come in that when I preach, they're going to look at me and say, do you do that? That's a fear. But if I fear God, because he's the one who's going to say, we have two motivations, remember? From last week, it was to aim to please him, and this week is also to fear of him. So really, it's based upon who do you fear. It's your restrictor. But know the enemy. Remember, we studied the enemy blinds people's minds. He pulls the curtains down. We are not fighting a battle, according to Ephesians, against flesh and blood, but against what? Spiritual forces. It's a spiritual battle. But who's with you, Jar? What are you holding? Treasure. And even with those who are our enemies, what should our mind and heart, mouth and heart be like? It's still wide open. Heart. Representative, proclaim God's offer of reconciliation this week. It's your job. You're an ambassador for him. God has chosen you with this message. Are you, this rec are you reconciled with God this morning? We have to start there. You can't be an ambassador and not be yet first be reconciled with God. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior any time in your life? Yes or no? Answer the question. And if you have, are you currently reconciled with your God? Because remember, for forgiveness... God forgave you, but he wants an active relationship with you. If you have shunned him, even if you know him, you need to work on reconciliation with God. 
Do you understand the difference? You can love Jesus, you can say you can follow Jesus, but be out of a relationship with him. Are you reconciled with God this morning? Who would you like to see reconciled with God? Put down your connection card. Let us pray for that. Who would you like to see come to know God and have a relationship with Him and have a team of fellow cheerleaders to cheer them on and to boast about how they are growing in Jesus Christ? How will you cheerlead the team? We need cheerleaders. Finally, September 3rd, September 10th. We're having a party. It's a Sunday. Let's practice. Go to your neighborhood. Invite people back here September 10th, 3 p.m. We're going to fire up the smoker and we're going to do all these pork shoulders. It's going to be good. (laughs) Why do we do these things? First thing is, is we're going to put... Sebring, Lakeland, and Ocala together. It's our family of three churches. For us, why should we do this? Fellowship with one another, to cheerlead one another, and this, to be an ambassador, a representative for Jesus in your community. Invite them to come and eat, hang out, and find out that you're not a weirdo, Ross, that I'm not a weirdo. I look like a weirdo. Robbie laughed. Okay. <laughs> But put action, put this sermon to action. Invite people. Go as a representative. It's easy. Invite them in just to come in and say, hey, would you like to hang out with us? For the Grace Con, for our picnic that we're going to have together here on Sunday, September 10th, from 3 to 6. Go and do that this week. Thanks again for listening. We hope you've been challenged and encouraged and helped by God in His Word. If you want more information about Grace Church of Ocala or would like to get in contact with us, please visit our home on the web, ocalagrace.org. And if we haven't met yet, we hope to talk with you soon.